Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Sally Hogshead. She is the CEO of Fascinate, a Hall of Fame speaker, creator of HowToFascinate.com and author of bestseller Fascinate and a new book, which I believe has already achieved bestseller status called How the World Sees You. So welcome, Sally, or welcome back, I should say. Hey, (laughs) John. Thank you. I'm happy to be talking with you today. You you and I are um, on parallel tracks with book launching, so um, so nobody knows knows it better than you, so cheers. (laughs) Well, thanks, Uh, and I know you you are still... Kind of up in the clouds on that, and uh, and so we'll we'll try to make this uh, we'll we'll try to make you uh, um, or not try to make you you will uh, come off brilliant for my audience. I know that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll do my best. You hold up your end of the bargain. All right. So I always like to ask you know when a new book is out. So what, you know, what's the deal with the book? Tell us about it. And and maybe in your case, because I see this as a little bit of an extension of the work you've been doing all along. With fascinate, so uh, maybe kind of talk about the book and, and how maybe it's an, an extension, or or feel free to correct me if I if you feel like I'm wrong on that. Sure, sure. Uh, I spent the first half of my career as an advertising creative director, and my job was to write the television commercials and the print ads and do uh, uh, find those perfect words to be able to describe a brand. And I worked with clients like BMW and Mini Cooper, Nike, Target. And what I found is that if you can find the perfect words to describe a company, the company is perceived as being more valuable. It becomes more admired in the marketplace. And so I shifted my work away from brands, and I started applying this this same approach to people. And what I found is that if you can find the perfect words to describe yourself and introduce yourself in a way that makes you feel confident and authoritative and authentic, that you're far more likely to be perceived as valuable by your listener or your prospect. And so I began studying the communication patterns, those hidden patterns within our communication. Every time we communicate, we're sending out certain signals and cues to our listener. And if we understand how our listener is perceiving us and what kind of signals and cues we're intentionally or unintentionally sending out, then we can be perceived at our best. We can be perceived in our most valuable way. And so instead of approaching this this personality system like a traditional assessment, instead of looking at how the world sees you, I looked at it from the opposite perspective, opposite of the way we normally think of Strengths Finder and Myers Briggs and DISC. Instead of looking at how you see the world, I look at how the world sees you. And so the new book is a, it's a guide. It walks you step by step through understanding how your prospect or customer or employee sees you at your best and how you can do more of what you're already doing right so that you can add more value and become intensely valuable within your company and your community. And most of all, grow your business around your core personality advantages. So, so let me ask you um, what you've seen is the benefit of people shifting that thinking. So you're right. A lot of people, it's, it's let's see how you see the world, and that will, make, that will determine whether or not you'd be good in sales or you'd be good in this or that. Um, so, so how does that shift of, of really tuning into how the world sees us, uh, do, what, what's the benefit of that? What have you seen the, the difference in that? That's a great question because what's the outcome? We studied 300,000 professionals 
And we found the patterns among the high performers, and we found that high performers communicate differently, whether it's a small business owner or a high-performing employee on your team. High performers understand that they contribute a specific benefit. They don't try to be all things to all people. They don't try to be great at everything. They try to be extraordinary in specific areas, and then they double down on those areas. So say, for example, if you're a small business leader, and uh, and and you try to be um, you try to be great at everything. Well, then you're going to be run ragged. You're going to be exhausted. You'll be drained. You'll be demoralized. And you won't end up being extraordinary at anything because you're trying to be great at everything. And what happens, especially um, among among business leaders, is that if we if we ourselves are a commodity, then our company is more likely to be perceived as a commodity. And once you're once you or your commodity are perceived as a, excuse me, once you or your company are perceived as a commodity, then you're really in trouble because then you have to compete on the basis of price. And if you're competing on the basis of price, it's very difficult to build loyalty. It's difficult to keep your prices high. It's difficult to be preferred because you're not differentiated. But just as our companies need to be differentiated, so do we as individuals. And what high performers do differently in other words, those people who are able to be truly exceptional in specific areas, is they're worth more than they're being paid. They over-deliver in one specific area. They, they, they have a, a specialty. And if you think of a, think of a specialty, like a, a restaurant might have a specialty, maybe a, a specific dish, lemon cake, or they might have a certain drink, like a certain type of martini, or a doctor has a specialty. It might be an orthopedic surgeon or a general practitioner. In the same way, your personality has a natural specialty, a natural way that you're primed to add value and to, to move your company forward and really contribute to move the needle for your customers and your clients. But if you don't know what that specialty is and you can't articulate that specialty, then you're more likely to be a commodity. And that's when you get in trouble because that's when you get in that quicksand of trying uh, um, to, trying to spread yourself so thin that you're not really making a difference in any one particular area. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I think a lot of people, when you talk about high performers, they want to know, okay, what are the traits of high performers? And what you're suggesting is that everyone has that high performance trait. You just have to identify what it is and amplify it. Yes, and that's true for ourselves as as business leaders, but it's also true of our employees. We all we we can all think of if if you have a staff of any size, <clears throat> that you can probably identify that there are certain people that you work with who are really exceptional. You know, they, they they become intensely valuable and that your business would, would be different if they weren't there. And that's because they're contributing so much. <clears throat> Pardon me. They're contributing so much that, um, that that they're making a significant difference. They're worth more than they're being paid. They over-deliver in, in certain areas. And so it's important for us not only to know how, how is my personality most likely to contribute and, um, and over-deliver, but for each of my employees, how are they naturally suited to make a difference in my business? How, how are they already primed? In other words, what are they already doing right so I can help them do more of what they're already doing right and help them avoid those areas where they might have quicksand? Yeah, it's a little bit like putting puzzle pieces together in the, in the right way, I think, based on, on strengths of who should be supporting who, who should be what in role, in, in what role even, or who should be doing what projects. And I'd like to offer a, um, a slightly different perspective based on my background as an advertising creative director. But let's take a look at the most successful brands and companies. They, they don't focus on how they're better than the competition. They focus on how they're different. Mm -hmm. They don't focus on strengths. In other words, they focus on differences. And those differences can be very minor. A Gillette blade 
is very, very different, uh, excuse me, is not very different than a Schick blade, yet that one millionth of an inch has become the whole basis of, of how they market and succeed and grow market share. And in the same way, we don't have to be radically different from other people. In fact, a lot of times the differences between two different people can be extremely subtle. But when you focus in on those differences and hone them and amplify them and articulate them clearly, then each person on the team is adding a different type of value. And this is how high-performing teams work. They don't try to be similar. The members of that team, tries, they, they try to each be different so that you have a well-rounded team that isn't replicating itself but is optimizing each person so that you've, you have different advantages combining to rise the whole. Yeah, and I think that, that you can apply this to other areas, too. My wife and I are completely different um, in many, many ways, but I think that uh, that's actually what makes it work. How would you describe those differences? <laughs> well, you, you know my archetype because we've already talked about it, and we will probably uh, get into that. But uh, she is certainly very reserved. She's certainly serve others. She's certainly very you go first, <laughs> and, and, I'm mm. pro- and I'm probably the opposite, right? <laughs> well, imagine on a team. Imagine that you have a, a, two people who are working together on a project. Maybe they're trying to meet a sales quota. Some people will will achieve their goal in a very effective way by rallying a group and getting the team bonded and making everybody feel motivated and focused. On the other hand, there are other personalities that can be equally effective just in very different areas that they it won't be about motivating a team. Instead, they'll focus on the details and the structure and the deadline and making sure that everything, each piece is perfectly put together. Those two different approaches, one is not better than the other, but if you can understand how your employee are are they type A or are they are, are they are they a, a team motivator or are they detail oriented or are they something else entirely? That's what this book is measuring. The book um, reveals that those hidden communication patterns so that you can help each person not change who they are but become more of who they are. So a, a great deal of, of your work and and we talked about this uh, at least one other time when I had you on the show uh, revolves around this fascination advantage test uh, or measurement uh, tool that uh, that you've created and a lot of the uh, the archetypes and the very the differences of how the world sees this comes from the fact that you've now been able to to view hundreds of thousands of those and and in fact before we, we I want to talk about a very specific example and it happens to be me um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that 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 that's about you. <laughs> yeah that's right that uh, that we uh, also uh, tell listeners and of course this will be in the, in the show notes as well that uh, that Sally has graciously offered a $37 value uh, report uh, or fascination advantage uh, to all of my listeners and readers. And so uh, we'll have a URL uh, in in the show notes, and your code will be just the word duct tape, all one word, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. But uh, I urge you to go ahead and take this. It is, and this is pun intended, it is fascinating to, uh, to look at uh, the, the results of this. And uh, we, we won't have time in today's show to go over all the various archetypes, but uh, on Sally's uh, website at uh, howtofascinate.com, you can get some thorough explanation of those. But I took this test, and I am what Sally has dubbed the guardian. With a, with a, there is a primary and secondary uh, advantages, and my primary is power, and secondary is trust. Now, you, you want to tell people what any of that means? 
Sure. Um, there are seven different categories of communication, seven different ways to add value. And when you understand how people see you at your best and what they value most in you, then you can focus on those those traits that come most naturally and authentically for you. You, John, you, you communicate primarily with power. Power is about authority and command. Uh, power is the language of confidence. So it feels very natural for you to communicate as a leader. For some people, that would be very uncomfortable. There are certain, certain people for whom power would feel like it was being a bad cop or they don't want to be at the front of the room, leading the room. And so it would be very unnatural and awkward for them to, to try to communicate the way that you do. We shouldn't, we, we shouldn't try to follow one particular pattern. We should understand what our natural patterns are so that we can be authentic and focused in our communication. For you, your secondary advantage, meaning the second way, your second highest score on the assessment is trust. No surprise there. You build loyalty through consistency. You seek patterns. You're very dependable. And when you combine power plus passion, excuse me, power plus trust, then the archetype name is the guardian. And here's the real outcome. Uh, I always knew uh, uh, about five years ago when I developed this assessment, the fascination advantage, I knew that I could measure what those patterns were based on how the world sees you at your best, but I didn't really know what the outcome was. In other words, I didn't know what the application was. And so let's make this really tangible because this was a huge breakthrough um, that, that, that I reached about a year ago, that if I, if I applied it in the same way that I could make a brand more valuable, I realized that I could make individuals more valuable. And for you, the way that you are most likely to make a positive impression and to influence people and, and uh, um, get people to um, r- not only buy into you but buy your products is when you communicate as the guardian with three adjectives, prominent, genuine, and sure-footed. When you take the assessment, it tells you not only your archetype, which is how the world sees you at your best, but it gives you the adjectives that you need for your marketing copy or your LinkedIn bio or your resume or the about section on your website. It shows you how to describe yourself very specifically. You can literally just cut and paste it from the assessment result and put it right into your marketing copy. So, John, let's talk, let's talk about you for a minute. Um, the three adjectives that describe you, as I mentioned, are prominent, genuine, and sure-footed. Which of those three feels to you like if you had to pick one, which, which one describes how you are different from other authors and speakers or other business owners or leaders? Prominent, genuine, sure-footed. I, I guess I would gravitate, uh, and I'm not necessarily making a, a judgment on how I'm different as much as... I don't know. That sounds sort of like you're judging other people with it, but um, but I would I, I would gravitate towards genuine. I think. I agree. It's very genuine that you say that. <laughs> you don't want to put a value judgment on it. So, um, it, so when you communicate, you're going to be most effective when you can make sure that you can be genuine. And when you're communicating, if you can't be genuine, in other words, if something prevents you from being that. Or, um, or you're put in a situation where you can't be that, or you feel stressed that you need to be some other way, you're not going to be as effective. You're not going to have as high a likelihood of making a difference with your listener. So imagine that you're going into a meeting. And um, what's an example, John, of an important meeting? A meeting where you want to make sure that you can really bring your A game and you really want to win. A, a, a meeting where you need to make a positive impression and influence your listener. Well, I, th- I think most people can relate to, say, a... a- selling situation in which uh, you've kind of come to the point where you believe you can really help a client and you believe that you really want to work with that client and now it's a matter of convincing them that you've got the answer. 
it, we, and we've all been in a situation like that. Sometimes in, in business and also in life, there are times when when the pressure's on, you're going to communicate and you're either going to win or you're going to lose. You're either going to convince your spouse that you want a vacation in Bora Bora or, or you're going to be going to Tuskegee. And, uh, and so in these moments, it becomes really important for us to understand how our listener is going to perceive us most positively so that we can get the outcome that we're going for. And for you, as you're describing um, closing the deal on making sure that you get that final yes, you are going to be most successful by being genuine. So if you and I were getting ready for you to go into this meeting, it would be important for you to think to yourself, what do I need to communicate or how do I need to communicate it so that I can make sure that I'm going to be perceived as genuine because that's my, that, that, that's my uh, ace in the hole. In other words, um, that's you at your best. Imagine if you, you you flew in the night before, your computer was stolen, you're feeling <laughs> flustered, or you're feeling pressured, or maybe you've got financial pressures and, you, and you're walking into this meeting, and, um, and you don't feel like you can be genuine because you really need this revenue. How would that feel for you if you walked in and, and for whatever reason you, you were prevented from being genuine? Well, I, you know, I've... I've... I can, as you described it, uh, I, you know, I felt my even just physically tensing up and, and, and not, you know, and, and I do, you know, I'll, I'll take that to another environment. You know, when, when you speak, you know, in front of large audiences, uh, yeah, I've, I would say that that's a case where I want to be seen as very genuine because I, I want them to, to get the value of what I'm trying to share. And if I'm tense or I'm nervous or I don't feel confident about what I'm about to share or I'm not sure if they're going to like me, <laughs> then, then all of a sudden it's harder to be genuine, I think. And, and, and we all want to be genuine, but for you, because you're the guardian and because that's one of your top three adjectives, it's absolutely crucial. So whatever you need to do before you go into the situation, for you to, for you to communicate in a way that is truly genuine, um, that, that's the single most important thing. And if you don't deliver that for whatever reason, you have not delivered your highest value. You've undersold yourself. Well, let's take a different archetype. My husband is, a, is, is different from you. His archetype is named the Maverick Leader. Maverick Leaders are intensely entrepreneurial. They have primary innovation, meaning they're, they're, they're um, ferociously creative, and, and their secondary is power. Like you have power as your primary. My husband has power as a secondary. Maverick Leaders are very different than Guardians. Maverick Leaders, their three adjectives, are pioneering, irreverent, and entrepreneurial. <laughs> so let's say that my husband, Ed, is going into the same meeting that you were just describing a moment ago. It's not that he doesn't want to be genuine. Of course he does. That's just not the single most important thing for him to keep in mind. My husband chose the adjective uh, pioneering. So when he walks into the same scenario, he would communicate differently because he's a different person and he would be following different patterns. For him, he needs to go in there and show the client something they've never seen before. He needs to surprise them with creativity and out-of-the-box thinking and make the client sit back and say, whoa, we couldn't get thinking that's this pioneering anywhere else. So for him, being genuine is not the most important thing. Being pioneering is the most important thing. I have a different archetype. My archetype is named the catalyst. The catalyst is primary passion. And passion personalities love to connect. We speak the language of relationship. You can probably tell John as I'm talking to you, you know, I'm smiling, my I'm I'm talking I'm talking to into my phone the same way that I would be talking if we were sitting over a spaghetti supper. <laughs> I'm gesturing, you can tell I'm like moving around in my chair. And so for me, when I walk into a meeting, uh, it, I don't need to focus on being genuine or being pioneering. I need to focus on building the relationship because that's what I do best. 
And uh, so I'm really great at walking into the same meeting scenario that we were discussing and instantly creating a bond with the client. However, I am not good at details. It's really exhausting for me to focus on the follow-through. It's not that I can't do it. It just oh, drains me. It's a, to focus on being analytical or systematic or methodical. Those are not adjectives that come naturally to me. And so as a business leader, it's important for me to make sure that I'm building my team around my core advantages so that I'm not replicating myself. I don't need to hire other passion personalities because I already deliver that. I need to hire people who are great at details and follow through and analysis and building systems because it's not what I do. And so for, for each of us, for everybody who's listening, there's certain ways in which your personality is naturally suited to over-deliver for your clients, for your employees, for your community. But there are other ways in, at w- in which you are at a disadvantage. So, so, John, let's come back to you as you are the guardian, and as we described, the three adjectives that describe you are prominent, genuine, and sure-footed. You chose genuine. Um, there are certain situations in which being genuine is not the deciding factor. In some situations, people want somebody who is elegant or um, um, uh, judicious or practical or untraditional or uh, diligent or clever some clients want something different. And so it's important for, for you to make sure that as you build your team and you surround yourself with certain partners, that you're making sure that you, you're building a dream team that allows you to focus on what you do best and they're doing what they do best based on each person's differences so that you can get the best possible, most valuable result. So, so let's uh, focus back on that sales call again. So if I'm going in and making that sales call and uh, I don't know, or, or your husband's going in and making that sales call and they, uh, the, the, the customer is, and, and I'll use a stereotype here, an accounting firm and they don't really want pioneering. In fact, pioneering frightens them. Uh, does, you know, does that say, well, I'm just going to, I just have to be who I am and, and I'll, you know, I obviously won't attract that kind of customer or does it suggest that you need to dial that back and understand actually what that person needs to receive? We've all been in situations in which we needed to say yes when we were uncomfortable and we knew in our gut it was wrong. We knew that it wasn't a good fit. Um, if, if a client wants you to be something another, other than who you already are, you can do it for a while, but ultimately it's going to be very draining and it's, it's going to have an opportunity cost on your business and you're not going to get referrals from them. They're not going to be loyal. Your employees are going to be discouraged. You're going to be demoralized. So it's important to make sure that we are, we're communicating we're communicate we're not changing who we are we're becoming more of who we are so that we're attracting the right kind of of revenue into our businesses but that said let's take a look at it a little bit differently imagine if it's a very conservative client who doesn't want somebody who's pioneering and my husband Ed is going into the sales call he doesn't have to come in and say i'm going to change your world by showing by by shocking you and doing something radically different he might say you know, Mr. Potential Client, you're in a very competitive marketplace, and your customer is very distracted. We could make some very small changes that could really make a big difference. And let me show you an example of a tiny shift that could be incrementally getting you to a different type of result. In other words, he could still be who he is, but dial it back just a little bit. Um, similarly with me, um, I have a, with a primary passion personality. Um, passion personalities are great at relationship building, but sometimes we can be a little bit overwhelming because we connect so easily and we don't have that we don't have a, a, the, the same barriers. We, we don't um, we have to slow down sometimes. And what I've learned is that I can I can dial it back 
but still build relationship with people in a way that's natural between our two personalities. And that's what I describe in this new book, How the World Sees You. Step by step, how do you approach different types of prospects? Right. Still being authentic, but not wearing a mask. One of the things you talked about, some very specific applications. One of them is, you know, as you discover this archetype or this uh, adjective that works for you, that, that you actually apply it to even very simple things like when you introduce yourself. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. It, the average attention span needs to be 20 minutes long, which meant you had a really long time to introduce yourself, and there was a long lead-in. The problem is we're still introducing ourselves the same way, but according to the BBC, the average attention span is only nine seconds, which means when you're introducing yourself at a networking event or in a, in a pitch situation, it's really important for you to know how to front-load your value. And so the, the, in the book, I describe how your personality has certain ways, certain words you can use, certain types of body language, certain ways that you can discover your client's, uh, your prospect's problem so that you can position yourself very effectively as a solution. So you, for example, John, as the guardian, um, we know that being genuine is, is a crucial aspect of, of your communication. When you first introduce yourself, you have to make sure that, um, that, that you're not pretending to be a passion personality or, or be a detail person. Instead, uh, y y you want to see, y you would be more likely to listen and to ask really good questions and to make sure that those first nine seconds that you're able to uh, build, build an interaction that sets you up for success and allows you to immediately start delivering value so that you don't lose your listener's attention and lose the sale. You talk about uh, something called an anthem that, that kind of goes along well with that. And, and I've actually used a, a somewhat parallel uh, thing with businesses for years that I've called the talking logo. And, and it kind of has that same idea is, is tell me what you do for a living, but don't give me your job title. Uh, you know, <laughs> give, give me the benefit that you deliver yeah, you wonderful. Know, in, in seven or eight words is the idea behind that. So talk about uh, your application, this uh, idea of an anthem. My friend Dan Kennedy described it best. He said, at the highest levels of income, people are not paid for what they do. They're paid for who they are. What you do is a commodity. You're a dentist. I'm a dentist. You're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. But what, who you are is what really adds value into the interaction. It allows you to differentiate yourself very easily without increasing your marketing budget. And so I, I, wanted, to under, I wanted to find a process to help people identify in a very systematic uh, uh, methodology, what makes them different? Who, who are they at their best? We've already done part of that exercise in our conversation so far. I described this exercise as the anthem, and it's part three of the book. Your anthem is a tagline for your personality. I, I took my, my experience with world-class brands, and I applied finding those perfect words to individuals. And an anthem is composed of two different parts. First is an adjective that's, that describes how you're different. In other words, what is the value that you offer that's distinct, that's differentiated from others? And what do you do best? How you are different in, in our conversation, we determined, was genuine. That, that's, what, that's what sets you apart. With my husband, we, we use the word pioneering. That's how he is different. Um, for me, my adjective is out of the box. That's, I'm at my best, and that's how I'm different from other speakers, other authors, other, other um, um, bloggers, by being out of the box. Now let's take a look at the second half of your anthem, this tagline for your personality. The second half is what you do best, and that's a noun. And in, on page 367 of the book, I describe a, a long list of nouns that you can choose from, and nouns include words like accuracy, attitude, 
communication, efficiency, network, precision, thought leadership, work ethic, skill set. Um, uh, what you do best is the place where you're naturally primed to succeed. And so if I were going to do this with you, John, I'm going to give you three different nouns, and I want you to think which one best describes what you do best. The first one that I'm going to give you is the word accuracy. The second one I'm going to give you is ideas. And the third noun that I'm going to give you is results. So your three options that I've given you are accuracy, ideas, and results. Which one is what you do best? Accuracy is completely overrated. Um, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to go with ideas. That's I, so genuine of you to I say. Know, I know. Well, I'm, going to go with, I'm going to go with ideas. Okay, great. So if we pair your adjective, which is genuine, with the noun, which is ideas, then your anthem is that at your highest value, you deliver genuine ideas. Now let's take a look at this sales call that we had a moment ago. You're walking in to go to, into this presentation. It's make it or break it. They're at that stage where they're ready to sign or not sign. And the way that you can deliver value is through genuine ideas, not showmanship ideas, not razzle-dazzle ideas, not radical ideas, not detailed ideas, but genuine ideas. And, and when we look at your noun, your noun is ideas. Um, if we had chosen the word accuracy, then your anthem would have been genuine accuracy or genuine precision or genuine analysis. And instead, you chose the word ideas. That means that you're going to generate options that they couldn't have necessarily come up with by themselves. Or you're going to show them the higher plane of where they can go next. So the, if there's one thing that you do, the number one thing that is most important, more important than the than your attitude or your information or your follow-through, the number one most important thing for you to do is to deliver genuine ideas. And so as you're getting ready for the meeting, you might want to think through, what are those genuine ideas? You might do some background research, um, get to know the client, some, some of their history, and you would bring it forth. But if, you, if, if it didn't feel genuine to you or it didn't feel like it was an idea, you probably shouldn't present it. Before something comes out of your mouth, you would want to have a, have a, a filter Am I delivering genuine ideas when I'm saying this, or am I delivering something else? And so when you have that North Star, it gives you a way to track and measure and focus in on not trying to be all things to all people, but like those high performers I described, that you're doubling down in one particular area so you can make sure that you're over-delivering. Well, I think I think we've done some good work here, Sally. Um, I feel very good about uh, my, my anthem. I'm so glad. And... <laughs> And you can um, imagine when you're when you're creating speaking materials or you're you're writing the the cover copy for your next book, you would want to make sure that you can use this kind of fact checking. Am I is is this representing genuine ideas or is it representing something else? Like you don't you don't want to represent um, um, cutting edge breakthroughs or or d decisive management. Instead, you want to deliver genuine ideas that makes it really easy for you for you to communicate in a way that feels relaxed and authentic yeah and, and i think it's uh truthfully i think it's why the duct tape marketing brand works so well for me because i think that that's in a lot of ways that's there's a lot of that in the kind of metaphor of mm -hmm. the, the the usefulness mm -hmm. and the practicality uh, of of duct tape for a lot of people and and so i i think i think uh i, I think that as silly as some people look at that brand, I think it really does. Uh, I think it. We. I think we've done a pretty good job of capturing that essence. Wonderful! I'm so glad. I. I, I hope that you'll be using it as you as you think about yourself and your marketing, and for everybody listening. 
there, there are many different types of anthems. And when you identify that, it makes you, it, it allows you to get in the flow and feel productive and focused and, and not feel self-conscious or confused or doubting. Yeah, it's, um, I've always told people these kinds of things are just great filters, as, as you've talked about it, too. And, and mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, it eliminates a lot of decisions. Oh, should I go this way or not that way? You, you kind of have the, well, does it work You know, for genuine ideas in this case? Well, no. All right, decision made. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that uh, it simplifies things, I think. Or has yeah, we have too many decisions during the exactly. day. It's, it's nice to be able to remove some yeah. from the table. So howtheworldseesyou.com is where you can find out everything about the book itself. Of course, the book can be purchased pretty much anywhere that you buy books. Uh, have you done an audiobook version of this one? I did, and I read it, and it it, it was, uh, as I'm sure you've experienced if you've read an audiobook, it's like 40 hours in the studio. Yeah, well, you write longer <laughs> um, books than me, but yes, it is, it is, it is, it is painful. <laughs> hey, you know what we didn't do, John? We haven't given them the code yet. I mean, we haven't given them the URL. May, may I share now? For, for, for the fascination advantage? Yes, yeah, because yeah, it, it, it's normally $37, yep. and um, and so together for a limited time around the launch of the book, we're making this uh, available for all the duct tape listeners. And here's the URL for that. It's howtheworldseesyou.com slash forward slash U, Y-O-U, howtheworldseesyou.com forward slash U, Y-O-U, and it's going to ask you for a code, and the book code is duct tape, D-U-C-T, T-A-P-E, and listeners are invited to share this with their employees um, while this code is still open so that they can understand how their employees are most likely to add value. And you can also share it with your clients. We're making it available that that the code will be open, um, I believe, until the the middle of August. Well, that's great, and I certainly encourage people to do it. I I, I can imagine that uh, it could stimulate some great conversations. I mean, if you're a solopreneur, I think it, uh, and everything we've talked about today, seem to resonate or seem to make sense to you. Obviously, it has value for you individually, but as as Sally described, I think it could also stimulate some great conversations with your clients and with your teams. So, Sally, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Another winner, How the World Sees You, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on the road sometime soon. Oh, wonderful, John. I look forward to it. I look forward to you and your genuine ideas. (laughs) Thanks, Sally. 